Chapter 4, Part 1 of Kangaroo by D. H. Lawrence. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lisa Murphy, Richmond, Virginia. Chapter 4, Jack and Jazz, Part 1. The following evening, Summers could feel waves of friendliness coming across the hedge from Victoria and she kept going out to the gate to look for Jack, who was late returning home. And as she went, she always looked long towards the veranda of Torriston to catch sight of the Summers. Summers felt the yearning and amicable advance in the atmosphere. For some time he disregarded it. Then, at last he went out to look at the nightfall. It was early June. The sun had set beyond the land, casting a premature shadow of night but the eastern sky was very beautiful, full of pure, pure light, the light of the southern seas, next the Antarctic. There was a great mass of clouds settling low, and it was all gleaming, a golden physical glow. Then, across the upper sky, trailed a thin line of little dark clouds, like a line of porpoises swimming in the extremely beautiful clarity. "'Isn't it a lovely evening again?' Victoria called to him, as he stood on the summer house top. "'Very lovely. Australia never ceases to be a wonderland for me at nightfall,' he answered. "'Aha,' she said. "'You are fond of the evening?' He had come down from his point of vantage, and they stood near together by the fence. "'In Europe I always like morning best, much best. I can't say what it is. I find so magical in the evening here.' "'No,' she replied, looking upwards round the sky. "'It's going to rain.' "'What makes you think so?' he asked." It looks like it, and it feels like it. I expect Jack will be here before it comes on. He's late tonight, is he? Yes, he said he might be. Is it six o'clock? No, it's only a little after five. It is. I needn't be expecting him yet, then. He won't be home till quarter past six. She was silent for a while. We shall soon have the shortest day, she said. I'm glad when it's gone. I always miss Jack so much when the evening comes, and he isn't even home. You see, I was used to a big family, and it seems a bit lonely to me yet, all alone in the cottage. That's why we're so glad to have you and Mrs. Summers next door. We get on so well, don't we? Yes, it's surprising. I always felt nervous of English people before, but I love Mrs. Summers. I think she's lovely. You haven't been married long? asked Summers. Not quite a year. It seems a long time in some ways. I wouldn't not be with Jack, not for anything, but I do miss my family. We were six of us, all at home together, and it makes such a difference, being all alone. Was your home in Sydney? No, on the south coast, dairy farming. No, my father was a surveyor, so was his father before him, both in New South Wales. Then he gave it up and started this farm down south. Oh, yes, I liked it. I love home. I love going down home. I've got a cottage down there that father gave me when I got married. You must come down with us sometime when the people that are in it go. It's right on the sea. Do you think you and Mrs. Summers would like it? I'm sure we should. And will you come with us for a weekend? The people in it are leaving next week. We let it furnished. We should like to very much indeed, said Summers, being polite over it because he felt a little unsure still, 
whether he wanted to be so intimate. But Victoria seemed so wistful. "'We feel ourselves with you and Mrs. Summers,' said Victoria. "'And yet you're so different from us. And yet we feel so much ourselves with you.' "'But we're not different,' he protested. "'Yes, you are, coming from home. It's Mother who always called England home. She was English. She always spoke so prettily. She came from Somerset. Yes, she died about five years ago. Then I was the mother of the family. Yes, I am the eldest, except Alfred. Yes, they're all at home. Alfred is a mining engineer. There are coal mines down the south coast. He was with Jack in the war on the same job. Jack was a captain, and Alfred was a lieutenant. But they drop all the army names now. That's how I came to know Jack. Through Alfred. Jack always calls him Fred. You didn't know him before the war? No, not till he came home. Alfred used to talk about him in his letters, but I never thought then that I should marry him. They are great friends yet, the two of them. The rain that she had prophesied now began to fall, big straight drops that resounded on the tin roofs of the houses. Won't you come in and sit with us till Jack comes? asked Summers. You'll feel dreary, I know. Oh, don't think I said it for that, said Victoria. Come round, though, said Summers, and they both ran indoors out of the rain. Lightning had started to stab in the southwestern sky, and clouds were shoving slowly up. Victoria came round and sat talking, telling of her home on the south coast. It was only about fifty miles from Sydney, but it seemed another world to her. She was so quiet and simple now that both the Summers felt drawn to her, and glad that she was sitting with them. They were talking still of Europe, Italy, Switzerland, England, Paris, the wonder world to Victoria, who had never been out of New South Wales in her life, in spite of her name, which name her father had given her to annoy all his neighbors, because he said the state of Victoria was run like a paradise compared to New South Wales, although he too never went a yard out of his home state if he could help it. They were talking still of Europe when they heard Jack's voice calling from the opposite yard. "'Hello!' cried Victoria, running out. "'Are you there, Jack?' "'I was listening for the motorbike. "'I remember now you went by tram.' Sometimes she seemed a little afraid of him, physically afraid, though he was always perfectly good-humoured with her. And this evening she sounded like that, as if she feared his coming home and wanted the summers to shelter her. "'You found a second home over there, apparently,' said Jack, advancing towards the fence." "'Well, how's things?' "'It was dark, so they could not see his face. "'But he sounded different. "'There was something queer, unknown about him. "'I'll come over for a game of chess tonight, old man, "'if you'll say the word,' he said to Summers. "'And the ladies can punish the piano again, "'meanwhile, if they feel like it. "'I bought something to sweeten the melodies with "'and give us sort of breathing space now and then. "'Sort of little ear rest, you know?' "'That means a pound of chocolate,' said Victoria like a greedy child. "'And Mrs. Summers will come and help me to eat them. Good!' And she ran in home. Summers thought of a picture advertisement in the bulletin. "'Madge, I can't think what you see in Jack. He is so unintellectual. "'Gladys, oh, but he always brings a pound of Billiard's chocolates. "'Or else, sweets to the sweet, give her Billiard's chocolates. "'Or else, Billiard's chocolates sweeten the home.' The game of chess was a very quiet one. Jack was pale and subdued. 
silent tired thought summers after his long day and short night summers too played without any zest and yet they were satisfied just sitting there together a curious peaceful ease in being together summers wondered at it the rich full peace that there seemed to be between him and the other man it was something he was not used to as if one blood ran warm and rich between them then shall thy peace be as a river there was nothing wrong at Truhello's, was there that made william james come so late asked summers jack looked up with a tinge of inquiry in his eyes at this question as if he suspected something behind it summers flushed slightly no nothing wrong said jack i beg your pardon for asking said summers hastily i heard a whistle when i just done setting the rat traps and i looked out and heard you speak to him that's how i knew who it was i only wondered if anything was wrong no nothing wrong repeated jack laconically that's all right said summers it's your move mind your queen mind my queen eh she takes some minding that lady does i feel i need a special eye at the end of my nose to keep track of her come out of it old lady i'm not very bright at handling royalty that's a fact summers was now silent he felt he had made a faux pas and was rebuffed they played for some time jack talking to himself mostly in that facetious strain which one had to just get used to in him though summers occasionally found it tiring then after a time jack put his hands into his lap and looked at summers you mustn't think i get the wind up you know he said if you ask me a question you can ask me what you like you know and when i can tell you i'll tell you i know you'd never come shoving your nose in like a rat from under the skirting board when nobody's looking even if i seem to said summers ironically no no you don't seem to and when i can tell you i'll do so i know i can trust you summers looked up wondering and met the meditative dark eyes of the other man resting on his face there's some of us chaps said jack who've been through the war and had a lick at paris and london you know who can tell a man by the smell of him so to speak if we can't see the color of his aura we can jolly well size up the quality of it and that's what we go by call it instinct or what you like if i like a man slap out at the first sight i trust him into hell i would fortunately you haven't anything very risky to trust him with laughed summers i don't know so much about that said jack when a man feels he likes a chap and trusts him he's risking all he need even by so doing because none of us likes to be taken in and to have our feelings thrown back in our faces as you may say do we we don't said summers grimly no we don't and you know what it means to have them thrown back in your face and so do i there's a lot of the people here that i wouldn't trust with a thank you i wouldn't but then there's some that i would and mind you taking all for all i'd rather trust an aussie i'd rather trust an australian than an englishman i would and a lot rather yet there's some of the rottenest people in sydney that you'd find if you sifted hell over rotten absolute yellow rotten and many of them in public positions too simply white anting society that's what they're doing talk about public affairs in sydney talk about undercurrents of business in sydney the wickedest crew on god's earth bar none all the underhanded tricks of a chink a bloomin yellow chinaman and all the barefaced fair talk of an englishman there you are 
and yet i'm telling you i'd rather trust even a sydney man and he's a special sort of wombat than an englishman so you've told me before for my good i suppose laughed summers not without irony no now you don't go run away with any wrong ideas said jack suddenly reaching out his hand and laying it on summers arm i'm not hinting at anything if i was i'd ask you to kick me out of your house i should deserve it no you're an englishman you're a european perhaps i ought to say for you've lived all over that old continent and you've studied it and you've got tired of it and you've come to australia your instinct brought you here however much you may rebel against rats and tin cans and a few other things like that your instinct brought you here and brought you straight up against me now that i call fate he looked at summers with dark burning questioning eyes i suppose following one deepest instinct is one's fate said summers rather flatly there you know what i mean you see well then instinct brings us together i knew it the minute i set eyes on you when i saw you coming across from the botanical gardens and you wanted a taxi and then when i heard the address fifty one murdoch street i said to myself that chap is coming into my life and it is so i'm a believer in fate absolute yes said summers non-committal it's fate that you left europe and came to australia bit by bit and unwilling to come as you say yourself it's fate that brings you to sydney and makes me see you that dinner hour coming from the botanical gardens it's fate that brings you to this house and it's fate that sets you and me here at this minute playing chess if you call it playing chess laughed summers jack looked down at the board i'm blessed if i know whose move it is he said but never mind i say that fate meant you and mrs summers to come here her as much as you i say fate meant me and you and victoria and her to mean a lot to one another and when i feel my fate i absolutely give myself up to it that's what i say do you think i'm right his hand which held summer's arm lightly now gripped the biceps of that arm hard while he looked into the other man's face i should say so said summers rather uncomfortably jack hardly heeded the words he was watching the face you're a stranger here you're from the old country you're different from us but you're a man we want and you're a man we've got to keep i know it what what do you say i can't trust you can't i what with asked summers what with jack hesitated why everything he blurted everything body and soul and money and every blessed thing i can trust you with everything isn't that right summers looked with troubled eyes into the dark dilated glowing eyes of the other man but i don't know what it means he stammered everything it means so much that it means nothing jack nodded his head slowly oh yes it does he reiterated oh yes it does besides said summers why should you trust me with anything let alone everything you've no occasion to trust me at all except except as one neighbor trusts another in common honor common honor jack just caught up the words not heeding the sense it's more than common honor it's most uncommon honor but look here he seemed to rouse himself supposing i came to you to ask you things and tell you things you'd answer me man to man wouldn't you with common honor 
you treat everything i say with common honor as between man and man why yes i hope so i know you would but for the sake of saying it say it i can trust you can't i tell me now can i trust you summers watched him was it any good making reservations and qualifications the man was in earnest and according to standards of commonplace honor the so-called honor of man to man summers felt that he would trust calcott and that calcott might trust him so he said simply yes a light leaped into jack's eyes that means you trust me of course he said yes replied summers done said jack rising to his feet and upsetting the chessmen summers also pushed his chair and rose to his feet thinking they were going across to the next house but jack came to him and flung an arm round his shoulder and pressed him close trembling slightly and saying nothing then he let go and caught summers by the hand this is fate he said and we'll follow it up he seemed to cling to the other man's hand and on his face was a strange light of purpose and of passion a look at once exalted and dangerous i'll soon bring the others to see it he said but you know i don't understand said summers withdrawing his hand and taking off his spectacles i know said jack but i'll let you know everything in a day or two perhaps you wouldn't mind if william james if jazz came here one evening or you wouldn't mind having a talk with him over in my shack i don't mind talking to anybody said the bewildered summers right you are they still sat for some time by the fire silent jack was pondering then he looked up at summers you and me he said in a quiet voice in a way we're mates and in a way we're not in a way it's different with which cryptic remark he left it and in a few minutes the women came running in with the sweets to see if the men didn't want a macaroon end of chapter four jack and jazz part one